0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roughing the Podcast. I am your host, Cody Krause, here with my co-host, Devin Stilwell. Devin, how are we tonight?
1: Oh, we're golden now that we're recording this podcast. I'm excited to be here, excited to get some draft talk going, some recap of how incredibly smart people we are. Um, Somewhat smart people, let's be honest here yeah, I'm excited for tonight. We got some some great things in store for everybody listening, so stay tuned and find out all of the opinions that you necessarily don't want to hear.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, we took took a nice break, took a week off after the big game and gathered our wits about us and got ready for this next sort of season of this podcast. But uh, in that break, we had two things happen. The first was the NFL Award Ceremony, which the NFL Honors, I guess, is the proper name, which went about how we predicted it, too. Um, I think a lot of people probably predicted it pretty accurately, but we as a podcast predicted it almost 100%, with the small exception being your Hall of Fame picks did not come through anywhere remotely close to what you said they were going to be.
1: To be fair, I didn't expect
0: them to. But they didn't know what they were talking about. Very evident by the fact that Devin Hester is not going to be a Hall of Famer this year. So I disregard all of the Hall of Fame selections. Sorry, not sorry. But that led into the Super Bowl, which went how I expected it to. Not necessarily in the first half. The first half was interesting. But in the second half, that... Rams defense wore down that Bengals offense and really just that defensive line just started making play after play after play, making life real hard for Joe Burrow. Saw so him grimacing in pain multiple times. And the Rams pulled out the win, getting Matt Stafford that ring that he so coveted, uh, making Sean McVay the youngest Super Bowl winning head coach. Um Yeah, Devin, what were your thoughts on the game?
1: Um, Like I said in our last episode, I didn't really care what the outcome was. I was just happy that it was two new teams who hadn't been there. Um, Well, I guess the Rams were there a couple years ago. But two teams who weren't necessarily expected to be there at the start of this season. I mean, we didn't really know exactly what to expect with Matt Stafford coming to the Rams, what the Rams would look like. And then before the season even started, they lose Cam Akers. So expectations dropped a little bit and then you saw your zone on the hot streak that they went on early on in the season. So it was definitely a very unexpected matchup in the Super Bowl. And just to see those two teams out there battling out battling it out was refreshing and I enjoyed it very much. I'm happy that Matt Stafford got his ring. I'm happy the Rams won. I would have been happy the other way. It really didn't matter to me. I did end up picking the Bengals so I was wrong there, but You know, I went down swinging. Can't complain. Uh, It was a good game. Felt really bad for Joe Burrow. Man, that guy took a beating. Man, yeah, that that was probably the roughest part to watch, and I think everybody knows exactly what the Bengals are going to do in this draft and free agency because they have one primary concern, and it is the glaring holes that they need to fill on the offensive line.
0: Absolutely. And it's been a quiet, really – week and a half since the Super Bowl, I feel like no major, not a lot of major news. Aaron Rodgers stays relevant. Where's he going to go? What's he going to do? Um, we had the whole Brian Flores thinks the league is racist um, scandal, which is still going on, I feel like, but um, nothing super major, which has allowed us to turn our attention to next season and the draft and so dev why don't you tell our listeners uh what what our draft talk is going to look like here for the next several weeks
1: yeah so over the next gosh what is it eight weeks nine weeks before the nfl draft we're going to be going over team profiles so we've built um literally a profile for every single team in the nfl with which draft picks they have how many where the draft picks came from we've got the bigger free agents on the team. We've got cap space talk, um, the biggest positional needs for each team. We've got stat breakdowns from the 2021 season going into the 2022 season to see where they'll stack up next year. And it'll just kind of help back our positional needs um, choices. Because if you were struggling on defense, obviously you have some glaring needs on defense. If you were really good on offense, that's definitely something you don't need to look at as much. So we're going to be looking at all of that. We're going to break it all down into detail and just kind of give our opinions on the draft in general. And then right before the NFL draft the week of, we're going to do a round one mock. We'll go round one, pick one all the way to pick 32, and we'll just discuss who we think is going to go where and why. So you got all of that to look forward to. We're going to be doing breakdowns by division. And since the Jaguars have the number one overall pick, we thought it would be a good idea to start in the AFC South with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Cody, what draft picks do the Jaguars have or how many do they have? Where are they drafting?
0: They are drafting plenty. Obviously they are number one overall. And then they have, again, the number one pick in the second round, the number one pick in the third round. They sneak into the third round a second time, thanks to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, So we will see them twice in the third round, uh, just once in the fourth. Uh, once in the fifth, which they actually isn't their original pick. That is from the Vikings uh, in the Yannick and Dockway trade. Um, and then in the back end of the draft, we've seen quite a bit. They found themselves with four six-round picks and two seventh-round picks. So maybe they'll get lucky and uh, find a gem in that back end. That's where Robert true GM play, but...
1: drafting potential pops up. If you got a good GM, they can find talent in round six and seven. But we'll find out.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. But the Jaguars have the number one overall pick. I feel like I've said this before.
1: I feel like everybody's said this before. Getting a little deja vu. They had the first round, first overall pick last year as well. They took Trevor Lawrence. And I got to be honest with you, I think that they do not take Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau in this spot. I think they go with Evan Neal the offensive lineman out of Alabama. I think he's the obvious choice for this team. Yes, they do kind of need some defensive line help, but they really need offensive line help and a talent like Evan Neal. I don't think he can really pass up. He's a big, strong, sturdy offensive lineman, and I think he'll be a good, a good offensive piece for this team for a long time coming.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think he slides right in there. I mean, I would say they're top free agent this offseason is Cam Robinson, and I don't necessarily uh, see him coming back. So I think he, if that hole ends up being a hole, I could see him filling that hole quite quite well for sure.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I don't know if Cam Robinson comes back. I think Evan Neal would be a good replacement for him. I don't think he'll be as good as Cam Robinson is right out of the gate, but he definitely has the potential to to reach that. Um, and if you look at Jacksonville's biggest free agents, the top three on there are offensive linemen that were starters in 2021, you've got both of your guards, Andrew Norwell and AJ can are up for free agency. They're unrestricted free agents, as well as Cam Robinson, who I think will get paid somewhere else. So if you're getting rid of Cam Robinson, you think the smart move would be to draft Evan Neal and re-sign both of your guards, Andrew Norwell and AJ can. Or you could even get rid of Andrew Norwell, as he's got a huge cap hit at $13 million. So if you get rid of him, then you've got more cap space, even though the Jaguars have a ton of cap space. So, you know, they've got a lot of work to do to get this team up and running, but it's not the worst situation we've seen, and it's not the worst situation we're
0: going to see today. No, absolutely not. I completely agree with that statement. Um, I mean, it's interesting to me, an interesting talking point for the Jaguars for me is you have it as a second positional need is that wide receiver. Um, they're a talented young team. I, obviously, Trevor Lawrence has talent coming into his second year. I'm a big James Robinson fan. Uh, I had a family, fr- family oh. friend who, who coached him in high school. Um, knew about him before he even made it to where he's at now. But I'm a James Robinson fan. Keep in mind they have Travis Etienne, who I'm sure will prove to be a factor in this offense next year, assuming he comes back healthy from his injury. Um, But they've got some receivers. I mean, LaVisca Chenault is young and talented. Um, Marvin Jones led them in targets this year. Mr. Reliable, it seems like.
1: Um, He's also 31 years old. He'll be 32 at the start of next season.
0: That's fair. But so then that, I guess that leads to a question for you from me, Dev is you see on their notable free agents list, DJ Shark. a guy who I think is super talented. He just can't stay healthy. Is Agreed. he worth? Is he, but I mean, I think you can probably get him for a little bit cheaper uh, because, you know, he's an injury risk. Do you dish out the money and kind of keep that shark Schnault uh, Combo and then potentially look for a talented wide receiver um, in that second or third with your second or third round pick if you're Jacksonville.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, if you look at DJ Chark's AAV, which is um, annual or average annual value for that player. So essentially the average of what their contract is per year. DJ Chark's previous contract was just over $1 million a year, which is dirt cheap, especially for a wide receiver. I think he will get more money than that next year if he does sign. Actually, wherever he signs, I think he gets more than $1 million a year just because of what we've seen from him and what he's capable of. I mean, he is a capable receiver when he is healthy and when there are other playmakers on the field. I don't necessarily think that long-term he is going to be a wide receiver one. But he is definitely a good complimentary piece that Jacksonville should look at keeping because he's only 25 years old. Now, if you keep LaVisca Chanel and DJ Chark, if you get any of the wide receivers in this upcoming draft or even a free agent wide receiver, I mean, Juju Smith Schuster could be a cheap option for the Jaguars to look at. He's a free agent. There are other free agent wide receivers out there. But this wide receiver class for the rookies this year are, it's going to be deep. They're going to be wide receivers in the third round who are going to get significant playing time this upcoming season, especially for wide receiver needy teams. And I mean, Jacksonville's got two third round picks. They've got a fourth, a fifth, they've got four, six round picks. If they get any complimentary receiver in any of those picks, I think that will fill their wide receiver need. But if they don't do that, I don't see this receiver group getting it done. I think they need to add somebody Who that is is yet to be seen, but I don't think they will go into 2022 with the same receivers that they had in 2021.
0: I would wholeheartedly agree with that statement. Um, I mean, I also think obviously we saw them lose a head coach mid season uh, to the surprise of no one really. (laughs) Uh, But I look at, like I said, I look at James Robinson who is in his second year, performed well his first year. He averaged 4.7 yards a carry this year. That's yeah. He wasn't. He was not a bad running back when he was on the field. Jacksonville but, was just a bad team. Well, and I mean the other thing that you look at, and so because of that, they're playing from behind, which I guess contributes to this next stat. But the dude carried the ball 11 time 11.7 times a game. We're going to talk about two other running backs in this division here later who carried it significantly more than that and saw significantly better results, and so did their teams. I think that, like, whether it be ETN or Robinson, kind of making sure they get those touches, because clearly they have the talent to do something when they get those touches, making sure they get those touches is going to be key, and maybe bolstering that offensive line with an Evan Neal will more – motivate the team to get them those touches.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, wide receiver is not even necessary. like, it doesn't have to be their second positional need. I see it as that because I feel like this offense was definitely a weak spot for this team in general. Um, I mean, I mean
0: 30- Trevor
1: Lawrence had 12 touchdowns to 17 interceptions. They were ranked literally dead last in points on offense. Their defense was 28, so it really wasn't that much better. But overall, their defense is a little bit better than their offense. So I think you know you could focus on that offense a little bit more. And this draft class is is it's not shallow at wide receiver. So like I said, you could go later on that for wide receiver. It's not even shallow for cornerbacks. You could get a solid quarter cornerback in round two or three, and you know maybe even four. They got an early fourth round pick, so they could definitely do it there too.
0: I do like corner as a positional need for them for sure. Um, I mean, they ranked dead last, again, in defensive turnovers. So getting that playmaking, ball-hawking corner that you like, um, you as in Jacksonville, um, is definitely probably should be a priority to kind of spark, try to spark that defense, get some turnovers, put their offense in better positions um, than they found themselves this year.
1: Absolutely. They're not going to get any of the top end defensive players, especially if they go for Evan Neal number one overall. If they were to go defense at number one, who do you think they'd grab?
0: I mean, man, it's just hard to see them going defense at number one, but it's hard if they do, it's hard to see them hard to see them going outside of those top two with Hutchinson, Thibodeau, um, I would
1: agree. I don't. I don't think they reach for Kyle Hamilton or even Ahmad Sauce Gardner or any of the other cornerbacks out there. I, I think that realistically, I definitely believe they're going to take Evan Neal. But in the off chance that they just see tremendous talent out of Hutchinson um, or even Thibodeau, especially at the combine, we'll we'll see how that stacks up. But I think they they realistically go with Evan Neal. I think it's the the best option for them right now.
0: Yeah, and if they're going to go defense, we'll say Thibodeau because that leaves the door open for that uh, Michigan stay home, uh, which we'll we'll talk about a little bit next week, I'm sure, when we break down the NFC North.
1: Uh, Correct. So let's move on here. Let's go over to the Houston Texans. Yikes. That pretty much sums it up. Let's move on. We've got Indianapolis (laughs) next. No, totally kidding. Houston is in... Shambles. They were a bad team coming into this year. They were a bad team at the end of this year, and now they are a bad team going into twenty twenty two. And the off season hasn't even started yet. The outlook is dim for any Houston Texans fan out there, and I'm sorry to say it, but it's just the truth, and you need to hear it. But on the bright side, there is always a light at the end of the tunnel, and that light at that end of the tunnel is the quarterback, the one and only Davis Mills. I'm kidding. I don't know that Davis Mills has the potential to be a QB one for an extended period of time, but we saw flashes this last year. And I definitely think he could be, if he gets the right coach in there and the right system, Davis Mills could be very successful. He made some really crazy good throws this year. He was 263 for 394, had a 66, almost 67% completion percentage. 16-10, to -to touchdown-to-interception ratio, almost a 90 QBR. I mean, he topped Tyrod Taylor in every single one of those categories. And Tyrod Taylor was a starter going into that year, even though he did get hurt. But Davis Mills showed up during that time. So, yeah, the Texans do need a QB, but could they potentially forgo a QB this year and start Davis Mills? What do you think, Cody?
0: Yeah, I mean... You kinda you had the positional needs for these guys and listed quarterback as number one. But I mean, I definitely think that should they see the opportunity, um, I mean they pick third. Uh you talked about some of those corners that are there, which I think is also a need for them. Uh, should they see the opportunity to take one of them and forego a top top end quarterback in this draft? Um, I could see Davis Mills rolling over into next year and holding down the fort. I mean, I don't think he's a long term solution, but um, hey, you never know. Lovey Smith took Rex Grossman to a Super Bowl. Who knows what he can do with Davis Mills?
1: Absolutely. And to be honest here, I we're kind of leaning into our round one mock, but we're not none of these picks are set in stone that we're guessing right now. I think that Kayvon Thibodeau could potentially fall. I mean, if you're realistically looking at it, he could be the fifth or sixth prospect taken. But he could also go as low as number 10 or 11 overall, especially depending on how his combine plays out. I mean, there's been a lot of sliding for Thibodeau. He's probably moved the most in a lot of the mock drafts that I've been seeing. But, I mean, if you look at it, you've got Jacksonville, who's going to go either Evan Neal or Aiden Hudgens. And they might reach for Thibodeau, but I don't see it happening, especially with Evan Neal on the board. And then you got Detroit. And they're either going to go Aiden Hutchinson or Thibodeau, but Aiden Hutchinson's the most, the more polished player at this point, and that, that's what Detroit needs. They don't need a project right now, and that's what Thibodeau is. Thibodeau's got the potential to be incredible and to be better than Hutchinson in the NFL. But if you're looking for somebody right now, which Detroit needs desperately, they're going to go Hutchinson. And then you've got Houston, whose biggest needs are quarterback, maybe. They could definitely forgo that. But then you've got your cornerbacks, and you've got Derek Stingley Jr., you've got Roger McCreary, Ahmad Gardner has gone up pretty high in some mock drafts, and you've also got Kyle Hamilton, the safety, who they could take. I mean, he's the one of the better safety prospects we've seen coming out of college in the last few years. So, I mean, Thibodeau could slide, and it's, yeah, it's very possible. But I see Houston probably taking a cornerback with their number one overall pick instead of a defensive end.
0: Definitely a reasonable statement. Um You know, I'm looking, Devin, at these stats, and a positional need that I don't see on your list that I see as a thing for them is running back. Granted, like we said, this team, this scenario is not good. But... Like, there's holes all over the place. But, I mean, they clearly went with the running back by committee approach. They started the year, it was going to be David Johnson and Phillip Lindsey. And then, oh, wait, that didn't work. Let's bring in Mark Ingram. Oh, wait, Mark Ingram didn't work that well either. Oh, let's go back to Rex Burkhead and see how he can do. Rex Burkhead ended up leading the team in yards with a whopping 427. Like, come on, man. Uh, Burkhead, Ingram, and Johnson, they all averaged... Around three and a half, three three and a half yards carry. Uh, they only saw the end zone four times between them. Um, total yards, from, total yards from scrimmage about thirteen hundred combined. Uh, it they need something in that running back room, and it's kind of disappointing for them that there's no standout running backs in this draft. Definitely not worth taking at one three uh in my opinion um there's not the saquon there's not the zeke elliott that stands out as somebody that can come in and really change this team for them
1: agreed yeah but there are some guys and those guys are definitely going to be available in round two and round three for them i mean if you if you look at it none of these guys are going in round one but i mean your top three backs in this draft isaiah spiller out of texas a&m Brees hall out of iowa state and kenneth walker the third out of michigan state all three of those guys could be very successful in the NFL and Houston's in a spot where they could easily take them. I mean, their draft picks, they've got around two, they've got two round threes, three round sixes, around four, they could easily grab one of those running backs with either of those third round picks or even that early second round pick.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's just hard. I mean, you, 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 Lose Deshaun Watson, for lack of better terms. Um, And, I mean, that team, you you had the front office issues. Uh, J.J. Watt, cornerstone of that team, gone. DeAndre Hopkins, cornerstone of that team, gone. Deshaun Watson, cornerstone of that team, in trouble. And what does that leave you? It leaves you with a team that is 30th in points per game. 32nd in yards per game, 31st in defensive yards per game allowed, uh, 28th in passing offense, and dead last in rushing offense. There are so many holes on this team, it is impossible to fill all of them, and uh, I don't necessarily see – I see Houston being in a similar position to where they're at right now a year from now.
1: You know, I think they move up two spots in the 2023 draft.
0: (laughs) Bryce Young? Very very possible.
1: I mean, he could be the replacement for Davis Mills. Look what we're doing here. We're coming up with scenarios and solutions for the Houston Texans here, people. But let's look at some of their free agents. I mean, they've got some, actually, let's be honest. None of their free agents are that great. I mean, they were a terrible team. They're not going to be any better.
0: Hey, we got that. We got that Desmond King go Hawks. (laughs)
1: But you do have a lot of the starters for Houston in 2021 that are free agents, but really not a lot of them should actually be starters in the NFL. They should be placeholders or, yeah, I mean, they should not be full-time starters in the NFL, but they all were for Houston.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, I mean t- start at the top, Tyrod Taylor. I mean, if he, if Davis Mills is your guy this next year, I mean, you need somebody else whether that be Tyrod Taylor for not starter money or another vet that's, uh, that finds himself on the free agent market. You need somebody. Um, David Johnson, he's 30. He had one really, really, really good year. That's about it. Yep. That, that yep. running back room is crowded.
1: Um, yeah. I mean with Davis Mills, like we were saying, I don't, I don't think they even bring back Tyrod Taylor. I think Tyrod Taylor goes and does his journeyman season for another team, gets injured 4 weeks in and they have to start their rookie quarterback that they don't want to start. Literally exactly what the Houston Texans did this year. He's 30 years old or er, and then we go on to David Johnson. Like you said, he's 30 years old. He hasn't looked like a true RB1 since he was the best back in the league in 2016. Granted, he was their third highest receiver. He had 32 catches. On 42 targets, and he had 225 yards. Yes, I was not joking when I said he was their third leading receiver. I literally don't know what to say about that. That's horrible. He had 32 catches and 225 yards, and he had the third most receiving yards on this team. Now you get to their offensive line. You've got their center, Justin Britt. He's also 30. He was a little bit different, though. Britt signed a one-year deal before 2021 with Houston. And he only played in 11 games this year, but he actually looked like an effective starter in those games. And Houston could definitely bring him back this year so that they can focus on other positional needs this year because they definitely need to. Um, I mean, if you have a, a good, decent center on your offensive line who's a veteran who could definitely help some younger guys that they could bring in, it's definitely a good starting point. And then they don't have to spend a bunch of money or draft a rookie center just to fill in this spot when they can focus on other positional needs because center is definitely not the biggest one then if you go over to the defense you've got malik collins and christian kirksey both of them were solid defenders in a very very lackluster defense they are 27 and 30 years old respectively and i honestly think that they could get some attention and free agency from other teams and houston i don't know i don't know if they're going to be able to. Afford bringing both of them back with the other needs that they need, especially if they go out and get a quarterback or a high end running back who is on a free agent or a trade or anything like that, or a wide receiver, because they definitely need one of those. I don't know that they'll have the money to bring back both Collins and Kirksey, but if they were able to, they'd be a good anchor, a veteran anchor on this defense, because both of them were actually pretty solid in 2021 and could be a good starter for them in 2022.
0: Yeah. Um, one correction the research team just filled me in on. So, David Johnson was third on the team in targets. He was fifth on the team in receiving yards. So, their fifth oh, leading receiver. Let but, me
1: down, our research team sucks. We need to fire him.
0: But he was only 20 yards away from being their third leading receiver. So, it still tells the same story. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's still fair. Wow. So, <laughs>
0: that's yeah. Cool. I oh mean, you, you have. Him with 225, Nico Collins with 446, and then Brandon Cooks as the lone bright spot on that team, really.
1: Can we talk about how astounding it is that Cooks still got over 1,000 yards receiving this year?
0: I mean, they threw him the ball a lot, 134 targets, yeah. 90, 90 catches. Um, yeah. he he He's a threat. I mean, he's proved himself a threat everywhere that he's went and he became the only threat on this offense, and people just couldn't stop him despite that fact that he was the only threat on this offense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of needs for Houston. We could probably spend an entire three episodes talking about how Houston is going to be bad next year, but we're going to go ahead and move on. We're going to go over to the good old Indianapolis Colts. Hey, Dev. Yes?
0: They don't need a running back.
1: Oh. But what the Colts?
0: The Colts, yeah, the Colts don't need a running back.
1: They're the their biggest positional need is running back, though. They're losing Marlon Mack, Cody.
0: Ah, shoot. Whatever will they do?
1: Okay, we're terrible at making jokes. Let's just accept that and move on, people. The Colts have a peculiar situation. There is a lot of rumors going around behind their quarterback position in Carson Wentz and whether or not management wants to keep him after the way he kind of basically took the plane that he was flying the Colts straight into the playoffs and then just crashed it pretty much on purpose and alone. He was the only pilot. He was awful in their season finale and they lost to the aforementioned Jacksonville Jaguars who nobody expected to win. And now Carson Wentz is facing the punishment and backlash for that. Like I said, there are a lot of rumors around him going, but the Colts don't have a lot of draft capital to get a quarterback to replace him. So they'd have to find a suitable trade offer. And with other teams seeing exactly what happened in Indianapolis, I'm not sure that another team actually really wants to give up what the Colts would be looking
0: for, for Carson Wentz. Do you? Yeah, no, I don't think so. And I mean, Critics be darned, it wasn't a bad year for Wentz.
1: I would completely agree. I think they should keep him, to be honest.
0: I mean, 62% completion percentage, threw the ball 516 times, 27 touchdowns. He only threw seven interceptions. Um, that's a heck of a ratio. Uh, 94.6 quarterback rating. Uh, they could have protected him a little bit better. He got sacked 32 times. Uh, but he threw for 3,500 yards and had his team on the brink of the playoffs. Um, and he played he played a full season.
1: But, he did. He did play a full season. That's why they lost a the first-round pick. So. Yeah, I think he's definitely a suitable starter. And when you look at the other starters in the NFL, he's definitely better than a lot of them. And with Jonathan Taylor as your running back and Carson Wentz as your quarterback, you get another good receiver behind him and joining Michael Pittman. I. Th- I mean the Colts have a dang good offense. They were number 9 this year in points so they were top 10. They were 16 in yards. But when you're scoring it doesn't really matter how many yards you're able to gain, right? So if you get another threat on the outside aside Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, I think you've got a solid offense to build on.
0: Yeah, and I mean I mean I don't we're talking about drafts and needs and stuff and clearly the Um, clearly running back isn't a need for Indianapolis, but one thing I will say that I talked about earlier is he carried the ball 20 times a game. That's how much a good running back should be carrying the ball 20 times a game. And we talked about earlier, there's another team in this division, um, that could take some lessons from that. Um, but yes,
1: I'll get Marlon Mack,
0: but definitely agree with you that wide receiver is a need. We Again, we have um, another team here in this division where uh, their third highest targeted player is a running back and their third highest yards uh, receiving yards player is a different running back. So you would like to see another wide receiver contributing a little bit more consistently alongside, like you said, Michael Pittman, who really had a breakout year this year. Um, and that will definitely help their 26th-ranked passing offense. And Absolutely. without their first-round pick, like you said, we have a deep draft at wide receiver. They can definitely still find uh, still find some valuable wide receiver value uh, in round two pick 47 or even round three pick 82 uh, should they decide to go that route. And, I mean, that, that 26th-ranked passing offense is the lowest number there. Their rushing offense is obviously great. Their rushing defense was top 10. Uh, They hardly ever turned the ball over. Um, They were top 10 in points a game. Um, They were a good – they were – I don't know if I would say good. They were a very solid team uh, that just needs a little bit more contributions in a couple of areas.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Their offensive line could use a, a little bit of a facelift there. Um, and like we said, the wide receiver position just needs another additional piece there. I mean, you can you can have a solid offense there, and their defense actually looked really good this year. They were ninth in points as well, and also sixteenth in yards. <laughs> um, they were second in turnover rate, which is really good for a defense, and that's probably why Indianapolis offense ranked sixteen in yards, because with with Jonathan Taylor as your running back, you can definitely move the ball. And The fact that they were 16th in total guards on offense speaks a lot to their defense, um, especially when you're seeing them with the second highest turnover ratio in the NFL. Um,
0: yeah, and but I mean, to that point, I mean, I would say your number, I would, I mean, you have it as second, but wide receiver, I mean, you had three wide receivers that contributed at all this year, period: Pittman, Pascal, and Hilton. And Pascal, free agent. Exactly. Pascal and Hilton are both free agents. Hilton's 32. Um, I think he's his better years are behind him. So they need to do something there. Yeah, um, and,
1: and one of their two tight ends, Mo Alley-Cox, is a free agent. So they've got three receiving weapons that are free agents this year. And, I mean, you could bring back Zach Pascal. He's a good slot receiver. He's a good backup, like, second-string receiver for when one of your starters goes down. I mean, he's definitely been dependable when T.Y. Hilton goes down over the last few years. But T.Y. Hilton doesn't come back. I I don't see that happening. I don't think that Indianapolis should bring him back, especially at an $8 million um, average annual value. That's, that's a lot of money to spend on a wide receiver who is getting out-targeted and has less yards than your backup running back.
0: Yeah. Um, not a lot of picks here. A two, a three, a four, two fives a 6s and two sevens, Um, But get that wide receiver that you like. Go get an offensive lineman. Um, maybe go get a defensive back. Replace that old man that is Xavier Rhodes who just keeps seeming to stand the test of time but is uh, slated to be a free agent for them this year. Um, and I think they can find themselves competing because, I mean, we just talked about two teams in this division that Jacksonville can get better, but I don't know that they can get that much better and we we just both agreed that houston's gonna get worse so uh they can definitely take advantage of a a weak division and put up another solid year next year for sure um, if they address a few needs here in this draft
1: absolutely i mean yeah i think we've covered indianapolis really their main needs are offensive line and wide receiver their defense is pretty good um, I don't see them needing a ton of help over there. Outside of defensive back, they were 19th in passing defense, so they could definitely use some help there, but not a lot. Um, they don't have a lot of picks to work with, like you were saying, a two, or three, or four, and then the rest of them are on day th- – or two and a three, and the rest of them are on day three. So there's not a lot of draft capital there, but they do have a lot of cap space, so they could definitely make a splash in free agency, and we'll, we'll see how that plays out uh, coming up next month. And with that, let's move on to our fourth and final team in this division. The number one seed for the AFC going into the playoffs, kind of crashed and burned at home. Another team that doesn't have a lot of picks. Um, They have the least amount of picks in this division. Let's go to the Tennessee Titans.
0: The least amount of picks and the least amount of cap space. They are currently negative, almost $7 in cap space. but granted, they're a really good team, and they have fifty-five players signed right now. So they definitely they have some flex. They have some room to be flexible, but it definitely doesn't show up in that cap space area. Um, Ryan Tannehill got sacked forty-seven times. It's a lot of times, Cody. It is a lot of times. Um, so that round one pick twenty-six. Do you look at an offensive lineman in that spot, Devin?
1: Oof. I don't know. Um, I don't – oh, gosh, that's tough. I don't know that one of the top-tier offensive linemen fall to them at 26. Um, Again, it is a really deep, deep draft for offensive linemen in general. Um, You could definitely see them going there in round three, pick 90. But, oh, man, they don't – they just don't have the draft capital. If they had an if they had a mid second rounder, I'd say they probably don't go there round one. But they don't. So I think it is definitely very possible that they do go offensive linemen to help out both Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. I mean Yeah, I I think they do, honestly. Now that I'm problem solving this in my head live, <laughs> um I think they I think they could very well go offensive linemen in round one, pick 26.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think another key area for them, I mean, just looking at stats here for a second, um, their passing offense was 24th, and their passing defense is 25th. Um, kind of crazy when you see, like, that A.J. Brown, that Julio Jones, um, that, that that an offense with those two would be the 24th best passing offense. But I think that there is an area... Uh, where they can add another weapon there and like that was mid rounds. If you find a guy you like is a good place to do it. And that's at tight end. Um, Anthony Ferkser, I'm sorry, just is not going to, is not going to cut it. Um, He's a free agent. So is Jeff Swaim. Um, So there's a hole on that team at tight end and tight end along with offensive line, but tight end definitely is another place where you can add that weapon and Uh, help that offense flow a little bit better. Um, Yeah,
1: and actually tight end is pretty deep in this draft too. There are a lot of positions that are really good in this draft. We're not seeing quite the high-end quarterbacks and everything like that that we've been used to seeing over the last few years. But if you look at Trey McBride at CSU, Colorado State University, he's a very, very capable tight end. I don't know that he falls into round three. I think he probably goes somewhere mid-round, two, so the Titans would probably have to trade up to get him. But, I mean, you've got other people out there. You've got Jalen Weidermeyer or Isaiah Likely. Both of those are very, very good, talented tight ends that are upgrades from Furkser. And I think Ryan Tannehill would really enjoy throwing to them.
0: Absolutely. Um, and for for me, just the other... Um the other need that stands out is linebacker. Um two of their starters, Javon Brown and Rashawn Evans are both free agents. So they need to do something about that whether it be re-signing one or both of them or drafting one. Um I mean they had the second best rushing defense. Um but the twenty-fifth passing defense, which is pretty surprising, considering some of the uh, praise that that secondary got this year. But um, linebacker, I think, is for me is the piece, the issue that needs addressed for that defense.
1: Yeah, absolutely, definitely. I mean, with those, like you said, three of their notable free agents are linebackers, and it's definitely one of their bigger positional needs. And we'll see. They don't, like we said, we, they. We don't know what they're going to do. They don't have a lot of draft capital, so it really depends on what this GM is thinking down there in Tennessee. Do they want to go for free agency? They don't really have the draft capital or the cap space to do that. So they're going to have to look at a lot of these positional needs in the draft, and they're going to have to hit on some if they want to go back to that number one seed in the AFC, because I think they kind of squeaked it out and got a little lucky there.
0: Yeah, um, but I mean, I do think that there is potential for another very successful year for this team. I mean, mm-hmm. they finished twelve and five, and Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, and Julio Jones, uh, aka their offense, all <laughs> all missed time. That uh, is
1: true. Yeah, you get you get all three of those out there for an entire season. Granted, I don't think that that's actually possible with Julio Jones in one of those three. I don't remember the last time Julio Jones has actually played in sixteen straight games. Now make it 17 if he wants to finish the entire season. Um, but if you have AJ Brown and Derrick Henry healthy for an entire year, you're gonna be a good squad, especially with Ryan Tannehill, who's a very, very capable quarterback. Um good good chain mover, Ryan Tannehill is. So yeah, we'll see where it goes next year. That is that brings us to a close in our AFC South draft breakdown.
0: Research hold. Research team tells me twenty eighteen is the last time Julio played a full season.
1: Twenty eighteen. Um, so three years ago. Which, yeah. I guess that's not terrible, but
0: no, and he's also he played, getting older he, he each played, year. He played fifteen in twenty nineteen, but then has seen significant drop offs, and it seems like the same things are pretty consistently ailing him. Yeah, he has um, a lot
1: of lower leg issues, knees, ankles, and then I think what well, was it, his hand or his shoulder that got hurt recently? I don't know if that was last year or this year, but he's he's got injury-prone tagged to him
0: for the rest of his career. Absolutely. So, yeah, like you said, that kind of wraps up the AFC South. You got two teams that definitely needs to fill some holes to uh, find their way back to competing, um, and two teams that uh, – Kind of want to maintain where they're at and just need to fill a couple kind of glaring holes to, um, hopefully, stay in the same position of competitiveness.
1: Yeah. Real um, quick, let's. I want to. I want to get your thoughts. What do you think the final standings are, pre-draft, pre-free agency, next year for the AFC South?
0: Uh, just first to last, or with approximate records?
1: No, you don't have to go approximate records. Just first to last. Um, Or last to first, whichever you prefer.
0: Oh, that's tough. I still think that that Colts team is run by Jonathan Taylor and wish that they had a little bit more, whereas not only does Tennessee have the running back, they have the wide receivers uh, and the coach. I mean, Frank Reich is a great coach, but I'm a big Mike Rabel fan. So I think Tennessee stays at the top. I think Indianapolis stays at number two. Um, and then I think we see that flip flop that you talked about where Jacksonville um, finally gets out of their number one overall pick hole um, and surpasses the awful Houston Texans team, <laughs> which I think is bound for not only last in their division, but heading toward last in the league. Um,
1: yeah i I would agree with you. I do think that Tennessee is just the more balanced team at this point, pre-draft pre NFL free agency. we'll We'll look back at all of these preseason and give us give our um predictions for NFL standings. But as it sits right now, especially with the quarterback controversy going on there in Indianapolis, I think Tennessee does stay atop the AFC South. I think Indianapolis comes in second. I think Jacksonville does come in third. And Cody, did we talk about how awful the Houston Texans are? I can't remember.
0: I think they're pretty bad.
1: Okay, yeah. They're not good. So I think they rounded out in fourth place and last in the entire NFL.
0: Yeah, so that wraps up the AFC South. Uh, Next week we move on to the second overall pick in the Detroit Lions and the rest of that division, which – also has a team without uh, without a first round pick again, for the multiple time and multiple years, we don't we don't like to talk about that, but we will next week I'm sure um so tune in for that, uh, with this new season I know we're looking to, kind of get our podcast out there a little bit more might be looking to get uh, find ourselves on, Apple and Spotify so once we do we will definitely let you guys know and and spread the word, and like, subscribe, five-star review, all that good stuff. Uh, we'll definitely keep you guys posted on that. Um, but we'll see you next week for some NFC North Talk. Um, any last words, Dev?
1: You will be seeing this episode on Spotify for sure. I am still working on getting it on Apple Podcasts, but like Cody said, as soon as we get it on there, we'll go ahead and send that out to everybody so that they can know. But until then, Spotify is free for everybody. Download it on your phone and listen to Roughing the Podcast. Cody, sign us off.
0: Have a great week. We will see you guys next week. And until then, remember the three things that Peter Pan says you need to fly. A little faith, a little trust, and keep roughing the podcast. See you guys.